0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to a suave experience hosted by the prettiest podcaster of all time, the ultimate optimist, me, Darius D. Hopefully you guys are doing well. If you are new here, thank you for stopping by. Make sure you subscribe to keep up to date with the show. So whatever platform you like to listen to your podcast on, I should be there. Subscribe. If you're a returning listener, thank you for stopping by today. We got a lot of things, a lot of ground to cover. So we're going to be talking about the state of marriage, Now, I believe that God defines marriage and he's the creator of marriage. So he is the ultimate answer to our question of what the state of marriage is and why we have marriage in the first place. I believe that you don't necessarily have to be married to understand because if you look at it, especially for the Christians listening to that, because you're probably thinking to yourself, Dede, you're not even married, man. Like, what do you really know? What do you really know about marriage? But here's the thing. If you study it, then it should be suffice enough to understand it to a degree. Obviously, with the experience of being married, it applies the theory to practice. That's all it really is. Because if you think about it, especially for the Christians, the two most people, the two most influential people in the Bible, from what we know. we Obviously, Christ is number one. But he himself, he himself never was married in the natural, okay? But yet he was the one that spoke about marriage one of the most throughout the Bible, more than Moses, who was married. And Paul talked about marriage throughout the whole New Testament. And he was not married either. Because Paul was a eunuch, okay? Christ was is married in a, or about to get married in a metaphysical or figurative light because he's going to be marrying the church. So Christ is a bridegroom and then the church is his bride. So, And if you think about marriage in itself, that's basically what marriage is supposed to represent. Well, God designed it to represent which is Christ and his church. Because even when Paul writes about it, that's the representation that we got. A lot of times we as Christians or people in general distort the image of marriage and try to change what it really means. But we know that the truth that we have and what the truth about marriage actually is. Now, I'm not asking you to agree with me, I'm just asking you to listen and just hear what I got to say. All right, so we're going to turn it our attention to our evidence that presides because it's important to have so. So this is why we have marriage, okay? So this is taken from Genesis 2 and 18, and this is what it says. This is New International Version. And this is what it reads. It says, The Lord God said, It is not good for a man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Now, God the Lord had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with the flesh. Then the Lord God made woman from the rib, and he had taken out of the man. And he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united unto his wife. And they become one flesh. And Adam and his wife were both naked. And felt no shame. Okay. So that is the standpoint that we're taking up when it comes to marriage and the state of marriage in the world today. A lot of people, okay, I think most people would like to get married, but because there is no truth or there hasn't been truth taught about marriage and the importance of marriage, there has been there has been some statistics that have been shown regarding marriage that can prompt people to either stay away from it or go towards it. A lot of people are scared about divorce and they've experienced it themselves, or whether it be a loved one or their own parents have split up. And I have friends that have that happen to, And it's not necessarily the best thing that could happen, but it does happen. So that, that could be a reason why some people are skeptical about marriage. And yes, those are possibilities that are out there. But if it's a possibility, there also is possibilities that It won't happen to you if you take the steps in order to make your marriage last and work. We read that it is not good for a man to be by himself. He must have a woman. And I'm thankful, okay, that God thought that through so that one day I can have my wife. And I believe that it isn't really good for a person to be alone because if you look at most families, There's somebody that you can count for, that you can be with. Now, I'm not going to exclude people who are in unfortunate situations where they are in situations where that are abusive, and I'm not condoning that by any means, but it's good to be amongst people. Now, not every person is... Some people are worse than others because we're not really... If you look at your life, you're not really as good as you think you are, but... In essence, there's people who are seem to be worse than others. Okay. But the principle is that we still need or we need to be around people that have our best interests. People that can uplift us and help us when we're low, when we have problems, uh, they can try to cheer us up. And marriage is one example of that. You're relying on each other to get each other through this Life, Because life, it's basically a game of chance and time. You never know what could happen at any time. Anything can happen at any time to anyone. And sometimes the cards fall on people who claim to be good, bad things. And then for people that we deem as bad, sometimes good things happen to them. But that's not to say God isn't sovereign. That's not to say that these things... Are unjust. It just what happens is how it's constructed. And if we really think about the state of marriage today, a lot of people that I've talked to, some people would like to get married, but it seems to me that it's being pushed on a back burner. You're more concerned about getting our degrees. We're more concerned about getting to a higher level in society, higher rankings in society, more so than focusing on becoming a good husband, becoming a good wife, all these other things that every single person has the ability to do. I cannot be the next Michael Jordan. I cannot be the next Elon Musk. I don't, because those are two separate people, and they have their own lifestyles. But I know I can learn how to be a good husband. I know I can learn how to be a good father because it is in our nature to do so. It's right there in the text that proves, that shows that it's in our nature for a man to want a wife, for a man to become a father, for a woman to become a wife, to for a woman to want a husband, for a woman to... We want to be a mother. I know a lot of ideologies tell us that, hey, focus on yourself, focus on your career, and all that sort of stuff. But the nature is that we have all these abilities, we have all these things, but is it for ourselves or is it for other people to actually help other people? And that's what the marriage part is. If you really think about it, I think it's changed quite a bit. Only because people leave their families' homes at a younger age and for a different reason, just to be independent, to be self autonomous. Now, this whole idea of being self autonomous at a very young age came from the baby boomers, of course. And that was because most of those young men, and God bless them. And if they're still alive, we thank you for your service. And if they have deceased, may you rest in peace. They were sent off to war at a young age during the World War One, two, and then they had the Vietnam War. So, the concept of a child or a young adult leaving the home at that age revolved around that time period because it was necessary. Fast forward to today, a lot of young guys my age and my age demographic will want to do the same thing: go away to college. And then from that point, move out, have an apartment with one of the roommates. And that's about it until you're ready to get married and then so on and so forth. Now, the one thing that we should key in on the scripture, what it said is that for this cause, what cause is it? The cause is marriage and marriage alone. So technically speaking... Should we be pushing these young men to just go leave the house around 18, 19, try to make it, pull it up, pull themselves up by their own bootstraps? Or should we build them up financially instead of adding financial stress, teaching them the fundamentals of what it means to lead a household, to be a good husband, to be a a provider, a protector? And then from there, when they're ready to find their loved one. Cause I here's the thing. Uh because we live in a culture where it's more or less about choice and it's beaten down on us about choice and the importance of choice. I believe in the point importance that like, you have free will, you have the the Mobility to choose whatever you would like to do so long as it doesn't infringe upon the law of the land. But if you really think about it, we really harp on choice. Think about going to your restaurant, your your local restaurant or restaurant around the world. What do they ask you? It's not about what the restaurant wants to give you. It's what you want from the restaurant. You have to... Choose. to ask you, what do you want to drink? What do you want? It's all about choices. We live in a world filled with choices. Now I say this, and I use this analogy only for the reason that because now we're living in the 21st century, a lot of people don't, especially in the Western world. I wouldn't say the whole world, but mostly in the West, with free will and choice, and we'll all those sort of things that we agreed to as uh, God-given rights. We normally try to think about the free will of choosing your quote unquote soulmate. And that we don't necessarily agree with people choosing spouses for us. So. It's interesting to see that first they get to choose what school they want to go to. Then they get to choose where they want to live. And they get to choose who they want to marry. Opposed to, I would even say, a hundred years ago, majority of that stuff was sorted out for you by your father and your mother. So we go from the only reason why you live on your own or want to leave your mom and your dad is for the sole purpose of marriage. Now where to you leave just because you want to go to a certain school? And it's everything outside of marriage. So, that, so you can see the disinterest arising because we're not focusing on marriage. That's not our main interest right now. It's about everything that we think can set up for marriage, but we're not preparing ourselves for marriage. And I think with these things in place, because our focus is not on the main thing, it can deter people or detour people away from that path with the scares of divorce or being in an abusive relationship these all these factors scare people from doing things because they don't want to end up like their family members but like i said before and i'll say it once more just because it happens to them doesn't mean it's going to happen to you and does not mean that you have to go down that road. Maybe you can do certain things differently. Maybe they didn't take marital counsel. Maybe they weren't supposed to be married to begin with. Not to say that, or the concept of the one, because I don't believe in that, but maybe they were just in love in a physical sense, but they had no connection. They were just infatuated with each other. It could be that as well. It could be that they grew out of love as well. But you notice that divorce rates have gone up since the divorce act is because there's more room for divorce. And a lot of the causes, some people say the number one cause is that it's money, so it's all finance. Or they grow out of love, is another one. But if you think about it for a second. If you juxtapose the reasons and the causes that divorce reigns so high in our society today, it's because we have a law that actually gives grounds for it. In Jesus's day, there was only a few, which is basically one of them was if, because they took... Virginity seriously in that time, opposed to today, like in general, our society doesn't really care about that. But the purification in that specific time period for that specific group, which would be the Jews at this time, sanctification was a serious thing. So, and purification was a serious thing, it's a serious um, idea and rule in that society. And essentially, the only grounds that was giving in the Mosaic Law was that if a person got married, and when that person got married, if they were to find the wife not to be a virgin, then they have grounds for divorce because they lied to the man, or to that man's family, claiming that she is something when she's not. And that was a serious crime at that time. And it was punishable by death, which would have been stoning at that period of time. Obviously, (laughs) that doesn't happen to us today, but at the end of the day, we gotta understand and realize that we progressed from that type of punishment, but we regressed in the same way as we are just too loose and we don't take marriage and sanctification as seriously as they once did. So I think the Divorce Act, I think it was of for Canada in 1968. No, no, 1985. Open the floodgates for people to have more reason to do so. A lot of people back then or before time usually stuck out their the process no matter how hard because marriage is not an easy thing. We have this concept of the Greco-Roman understanding of romance and what, it, what they define romance is, is that you have Cupid and then he plucks his arrow at you and then you fall in love. And you cannot feel anything else but this love. And it's supposed to be rainbows and lollipops and all these sort of things that we associate with the Disney princesses and all that stuff that we grew up watching. And thinking that marriage is going to entail that, but they don't tell you about the whole reality. It's two different people coming together from two different backgrounds, from two different households, being put together as one. So obviously, there's going to be some disagreements. You guys are going to butt heads at times, but you have to learn how to stick through it. If you go, you can go through all the Old Testament relationships, Abraham and Sarah. Abraham almost gave his wife away to the Egyptians twice because he wanted to save himself. Bathsheba was married to David because he lusted after her and then got his her husband killed so he can marry her. And she stayed with him and gave him the second heir to his throne, which would have been Solomon. These relationships, even the prophet Hosea, when he had to date or marry, sorry, not date because there's no concept of dating in the Bible, but that's a story for another day. But... He had to marry a prostitute to show the representation of how Israel has gone so far away from their creator. So a lot of these, and there's many more, a lot of these relationships and these marriages in the Bible weren't the best situations, but they stuck through it. Don't you think Adam, if he had the choice to divorce Eve, he would have done so after what happened? after the fall, but they didn't have a choice back then. And maybe if they did, they would have a divorce because it's easier to walk away from a problem than it is to fix it. Now I'm not, obviously everybody's situation is different and I'm not going to make general statements, but sometimes I noticed that in our society, It's easier, because it is easier if you think about it. It is easier for you to walk away from a problem than it is to try and fix it. So with that said, we are understanding all the areas where people would like to stay away from marriage, people would want to have, for example, cohabitation, which is basically... Uh, living together in a household and not getting married. And there's so many questions that arise from these situations, from these scenarios that I've brought up to. But the overarching ground base that I answered so far is that we know who defines marriage and where it came from. Now, as you go across... The world. Okay, there's different representations of marriage per se or how people were to get married in this regarding ceremonies and all that sort of stuff. But the concept itself was pretty much the same. We know that it's a union between a man and a woman so that they can start a family and then they can grow together and feed into the next generation so the lineage can continue. That is where you get most of your purpose from. It's from marriage and family and starting your own family. Yes, you can have dreams and aspirations to do other things, whether you wanted to be an architect or you want to be an entrepreneur or you would like to be a clothing curator. But the overarching thing that every man and every woman can do is get married and have a family. Now you're thinking to yourself, Didi, what about finances and all that sort of stuff? Do you think people stopped getting married during the Great Depression? Cause if that was the case, then there would be a whole gap. Now there was limited births and whatnot because of medicine lack of medicine. And also different types of issues that were lot li- that were there because people were poor, but poor people still get married as well. It's not it wasn't just the aristocrats at the beginning of America's um of, of American history when they were constructing the whole country. It wasn't just the aristocrats that got married. There were some people down in the South that were less fortunate or people in the Bible Belt that were less fortunate that got married. Poor people still get married. It's just not as extravagant as today's society because ceremonies have changed during the Victorian era when Queen Victoria got married. She was the one that wore the white dress. And it was because of her Why a lot of people follow suit after. Before, people didn't have or most women didn't wear white gowns and dresses for their weddings. They just wore what they had. But because of the influence of the Victorian era and her uh, influence on women and how they conduct themselves, that's when you started to see the, the increase of women wearing white gowns for their weddings. And now it's pretty much a cultural phenomenon and a staple, especially in the Western world. Not so much if you go to the Eastern world because they have their own ideas and their own way of dressing in attire. But I know for a fact here, that was inspired by her. The throwing of rice as well. Because in other cultures they don't do that. I don't like. I know in my culture we don't do that either. But my culture is a mix. It's kind of Western, but it's still Caribbean. But it's pretty much similar. I guess the only thing that's different is that the food that is being served. Like we have Akiyan saltfish, saltfish and all that fun stuff, oxtail bomb, all that. We got all of that stuff, but the overarching foundation is pretty much the same as the Western world. It's more or less a Christian understanding of marriage. And I believe that is the truth. And I believe that the ceremony, as far as how it's constructed, there is room, (laughs) okay, critique and anybody can critique it and I critique it a lot because when you understand how or the differences of how the marriages go and the origins thereof which I'll describe in the next half of this episode we understand that a lot of it has been mixed with different ideas but it's just the intent of the heart because essentially the ceremony is just a public display of your love and your what you're going to be willing to do for the next 30 to 30 plus years until you die. Willie's really, till you die. What you plan to do, what you plan to do for the next odd years until you, you pass on with your significant other, with I don't even like using that, with your wife, if you're. A man and with your husband if you're a woman. So we have to understand and now we do understand where it comes from where it comes from where did it originate who defined it and we have an answer we understand why people might not want to get involved with it. But in the next half, I will explain the ceremonies and all these different things that changed over time. On this episode, the state of marriage with your host DD of a suave experience. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Okay, we are definitely in the house. Okay, so this is my issue in regard to the state of marriage today because we're more concerned about the theatrics more so than the substance and what it takes I did mention that of course you're taking a man and you're taking a woman from two different backgrounds this is the whole argument that I have against people who necessarily don't agree with interracial marriage I am not for interfaith marriage I think interfaith marriage is pretty stupid um I know it's hard for Christians, especially nowadays, because there's so many denominations. I think you should marry someone that has a similar denomination or the exact same as yours because it's going to be easier for you on that because you're talking about your values and your morals being put out there and you're jeopardizing that. And once you bring children into the picture with wedlock... That can be a serious problem. And same with the understanding of politics. If you're conservative, I think you should probably stay with conservatives. And if you're a liberal, stay with liberals. If you're moderate, then whatever side that you're more leaning towards or you agree with, then do that. Because when we we're talking about this thing, we we're talking about till death, okay? So we're I don't really believe in divorce, but If you do it, you do it, and I would encourage you not to do it, but we're talking till death. That's the vow that you made, and that's the only reason that I like the ceremonies in regard to people holding you accountable to the vows that you've made to your wife if you're a man or to your husband if you're a woman got to be really precise nowadays. <laughs> That's why I keep saying it over and over again. But if you truly understand the seriousness of the ceremony is just a representation of, I I believe, it's a re- representation, and the Bible says it itself, of what Christ is to His church. And I think that the roles that each play each party plays so the wife does certain things i believe that they are better at certain things than the husband would be and vice versa for the husband i think the husband would be has better skills in certain areas than the wife i think that the men tend to be more logical than women and then women tend to be more emotional than men now that's not to say men are not emotional because if you think you're a man that is not emotional then you're a liar most men aren't just stoic and don't have emotions at all because when we get mad, when our team loses, we get happy when our team wins and all, all the different things that we express, our, we express our love towards women and family members and whatnot, that's emotion. It's just that you tend to be more emotional. I mean, women tend to be more emotional than men and men tend to be less emotional. So there's a scale there. When it comes to logic, this is not to say women aren't intelligent or not, or intelligent at all. It's just that on a scale, men tend to be more logical than women in situations. Just look at your basic relationships and how people, how men and women handle certain things. Just for example, a kid that is crying. A woman would know more on what to how to handle that situation more so than a man would. We would just tell the kid to suck it up and da-da-da-da. A woman would be more compassionate because they have higher levels of compassion. I think men are more authoritative than women tend to be. Now, obviously, sometimes that switches in, in any given situation, but on the grand scheme of things, I would say it is so. So the whole ceremony, sorry, I went a little bit off, but a, a little bit regarding the ceremony is, is good because it holds you guys accountable to what you said, okay? Not what everybody else said, is what you said before God, before the um, minister, and before your families. And they're supposed to hold you accountable. They're supposed to tell you, remember what you said this day. Remember what you said. It's like, you can't do this. To her, or you have to be responsible for her. And that the, as a man, God calls you to lay down your life for her. The woman doesn't have to love you, the love doesn't have to be reciprocated. If you want to talk about equal rights, okay, that though God requires a man to lay down his life for his wife, for his family, the woman doesn't have to do that. Matter of fact, the woman doesn't even have to love her back to the same extent, love him back to the same extent. As the man loves the woman is or is called to love the woman. So just think about that these things. We all have a role to play. We're all on the same team. It's just we're playing different positions and we need to get the job done. So a lot of people regarding the ceremony. Some people don't want to do it at all. That's why I mentioned cohabitation as an alternate that people go to. I don't really agree with that either. In the church, they call it shacking up. But that's just pretty much what people try to stay away from if they're not ready for that level of commitment. It's funny. You look at social media because the whole scope of how things are changing Regarding marriage, if you really think about it, it's changed dramatically because nowadays you don't even have to go out to go find a girl. You can stay at the comfort of your own home and go on social media or go on all these various dating apps and go from there. Now, I'm not, I might do an episode about. Um, I did an episode about online dating just regarding the statistics, but I might do another episode just talking about the construct and all these different things and how we're going. Because a lot of people in my generation, we tend to relate to one one another via the Internet more so than personal interactions. Now, I'm not going to say I'm going to say this, actually that proximity does play a huge role in getting married because if you're in close proximity with somebody, it gives them more susceptible understanding of who you are and gives them the ability to trust you more so because you're close to them. Now, it gives you the opportunity to get to know them as well. So you find that most people who get married is whether it would be a mutual friend through a mutual friend Workplace, school, all the girls that i've I know that are in relationship, and all the guys that I know that are in relationships is based off of proximity. They were from the same workplace. They were go to the same uh, religious institution, all these different things that we can understand how they got together and we can reason and even if you look at throughout the bible it's proximity now is it possible for somebody to get married from online dating the stats preside that it is acceptable i've known i know people who just met people on online and then they're dating right now but some of them they already knew them from before so I don't really count those people but it is possible but realistically you're gonna marry somebody that you know and isn't around the same area as you not to say that you can't meet somebody from a different country and then do the long distance distance thing and then eventually move together but it's been done but if you think about it yourself and you do deductive reasoning, you can understand that more than likely it's going to be due to proximity and your availability. So a lot of how marriage has changed in regards to the ceremony is based off of its origin. So how it used to be run is based off of A religious organization, whether it be a church or a tribal group or a religious authority or community appears. So that's basically how who would license, per se. That's pretty much the best word. License you to say that it is that you are married. We know that it's between a man and a woman. So it's basically is monogamy, we're not talking about polygyny and polygamy and polyandry and all these different things. Not going to be talking about that, but because that's just other avenues of marriage, but essentially, or you can say by the state. Now, for me personally, when it comes to marriage, I don't really care about what the government has to say regarding marriage at all. And I wouldn't recognize it because for me it's mainly about what God says about marriage. And when I mean God, I mean the God of the Bible. I'm not talking about any other God. But that is what it's came to me about. Or what it records what it basically represents for me is what the church pretty much says about the marriage what the bible says about marriage that's basically what it matters what it matters to me and it should matter for everybody else because the state they're just doing it for formalities they're just doing it so that you guys gonna get tax write-offs and all these stuff and you can be in the same or have the same um recognized for the being in the same house, living spaces and stuff. That's all fine and dandy. I don't really care about that. The main point is that who sanctioned it and who are we doing this for? Are we doing it for the government? Or are we doing it for God? The answer is God. It's always the latter right now. So that's how we understand the laws and the marriage laws and the contracts that obviously are viewed regarding marriage. And obviously, it for people who are living in the Western world, is a bit different, opposed to those in tribal communities and how they did it, or how they do it, because some of them still exist out there. But, for example, historically, if we want to talk about the Jewish way of doing it, you would get a dowry right, which essentially... Is you would the it's basically the parental property gifts or money at the marriage of a daughter. So whoever is the groom's parents would pay for that. So that would be for not really paying for the right, but you're giving providing a service for the by the groom's family and you're transferring it because they're losing a valuable person to their house. Now, though, regarding the ceremonies and obviously the uh, documentations and certificates and all that sort of stuff, yeah, those are fine and dandy. And the reason why I mentioned that is important is because we know that who you're doing it for, but we also got to understand, yes, there's leg. There's legal systems in place for that, and I'm not saying to completely ignore it and not take part, but that's not the main reason why we're doing this at all. And it's changed with the times, because if you even look at how the ceremony is conducted in the Western world, it started with the Greeks and the Romans making it a public forum. So that has changed, and then we dial back down to the twentieth century, where people started. It's either the nineteenth century or the twentieth century, where people started to give rings, and that has a lot to do if with the Great Depression. So I believe it would have been the twentieth century where you would, right after you would, to show your appreciation that you would want to marry a girl, a guy would go to the store get a ring to the jeweler get a ring because the jewelry sales were low at that point in time and they're coming back up because of this and made it mandatory that hey if you want to really show her that you care for her get her a ring and propose to her that you get married before you just go to her in the 20th century 20th century but before you go to go to her For a formality, you would have to go to the father and ask permission. And a lot of days, people still do that. Some people don't do it anymore, but I would suggest you do that because at the end of the day, you guys are going to be in-laws, so you want to have a form of respect to uh, the father of the house and to the mothers of the house as well. And then they would give the ring as a symbol of their love, and then you would wear it on your right hand, to symbolize to other people, hey, I am indeed married. Before then, how would people know? Well, you would know based off of the ceremonies. And if you go further back throughout history, you would know based off of the fact that they were living in the same house. See what I mean when it comes to distortion with the cohabitation? Because now you don't really know if they're married or not unless the only way you know nowadays is because of the ring, because it's changed over time. Before then, you wouldn't live in a house with another woman that wasn't your wife. That just wasn't common. But because we society has changed over time, how we relate and how we understand is different. And another thing when it comes to contract that does change is your name change. Now, a lot of people are starting to move away from that. They want to keep their last name attached to their new marital name. I think the whole idea with that to become Mrs. and Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so is the represent- representation of Christ adopting the church for, or they they're, you're they're getting their new name change basically so you're not seen as X, Y, and Z, but you're seen as Christ. So I would argue that I think it's important for people to do that. I and mean, I know a lot of feminists and other people out there argue that it's patriarchal and then that it's just a man passing a woman off to another man but if you look at the clause and what the woman is getting technically is not negative at all because all that was is to show you that who is protecting who is going to help this woman out and provide and give her things that she does need and that's not to say that a woman is incompetent. That is not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that it does show that we need each other because then the woman provides a lot for the man as well that the man needs that he needs a woman to provide for. Her. So it's a give and take. And a lot of people, a lot of what people do nowadays is they conflate and try to change it into something negative when it's really intrinsically not because they, read Karl Marx and his understanding and angles and his understanding of how marriage is oppressive when it's really not. As a matter of fact, his opposite is liberating. It's self-denial. It's not focusing on what I need is what we need as a family. And that's the thing that we have to understand when it comes to marriage is about what we is about. We it's not about me. And that's why I think it's harder for people as well because when you become self-autonomous now, going back to the whole leaving of the house, when you're by yourself and you're living by yourself for quite some time, you do everything on your terms. You come and go as you please. You don't have to answer to anybody else. But when you add a long-time marriage to that and you've been living by yourself for such a long time, and that's why I think it's good to get married young because you're relying on each other more. And you're still, you can still do stuff. This is not saying that you have to be completely reliant. You can't go anywhere. This is not what I'm saying, so don't twist my words. But what I'm saying is this, is that with this whole construct, it is harder for you to get married because now, since you're living by yourself for so long, and now you're going to jump into a relationship with another person from another background and does everything completely differently. You're going to do that. And then now you have to, they're going to ask you where you're going. And now you're going to have to deal with all these sort of things that you never had to deal with beforehand. It really raises the question, why am I doing this now? And I'm not saying that it can't work at all, but it's going to be harder is what I'm saying. Because when you are younger and you're living in a house with other people, you still have to deal with different personalities. You have to answer to certain people. And then as soon as you leave to get married or hitched or whatever, then you the dichotomy Not the dichotomy. The relation is similar into living with somebody else, but it's just different based off the relation between the two people, the two counterparts. So that's why I think it's harder when you, the longer you live by yourself to get into that situation. So there's so many things that come into play I think it's been it's harder to to understand the questions of marriage that can arise because there's so many different ideas regarding it and how we can understand it because for, remember most of marriages were when we're talking about ceremonies Come from religion, and there's so many different religions that are out there. So Catholics do weddings differently than Protestants, and then Sikhs do it differently from Hindus, and Judah Jews do it differently than Muslims. A lot of it between is the same. Come from the same idea of two becoming one. But how the ceremony and matrimony is being exhibited or being understood or being constructed is different. And that's how we have to understand it. Because even within the different religions, they have different religious laws as well. Because for Christian, for Christians, we have our Christian rules and regulations on how it should be. So, and then if you go to different parts of the world, they have more or less of a less Islamic religious law. I think in Saudi Arabia, it would still be Sharia law. So it's different in that sense. So it really raises the question of where we should go from there. Because if you're going to ask me if I believe in arranged marriage over marriage of choice, autonomous marriage, I would say depending on for me because I'm pretty superficial so like if the girl looks good I might agree you know what I'm saying but <laughs> the overarching idea is that the parent has a relation to the other parent with the daughter for example and then a lot of countries still hold this belief system but Ideally, the parent doesn't really want anything negative to happen to their child. And they know the person, whether it be a business partner, family, friend, somebody that they know or are cool with. They're not just getting you a random girl and they're trying essentially to get you in the same position as it was to them. And stats show that sometimes a marriage works out better than marriage of choice. Cause hey, at the end of the day, your parents are wiser than you and they want the best for you regarding that. And they have the experience. So I did outline a lot of the marriages and different types of marriages, but I mainly focused on the main thing. And have gotta keep the main thing the main thing. We have to understand, although there's so many different deviations from it. So many different religions out there that interpret it differently. You have interfaith marriage, which is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. But interracial marriage is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just a preference. So if you want to stick with your own race, then by all means, do so. If you don't and you want to try different or go to a different race for marriage, that's fine. I'm neither for it or against it because at the end of the day, race is arbitrary. There's only like 0.25 differences between each race that exists out there. It's not that different than you think it actually is. Most of the difference comes with culture because all we're really talking about is skin tone So based off the amount of melanin that is in your body, which is due to the fact how whether your ancestors was on the north side of the equator or the south side of the equator, due to the degree of whether the sun baked them at different rates. So you're not really arguing for that. You're arguing for culture, which is fine. It's just minute differences. Yeah, I'm not going to say that's the same because intrinsically we're the same in regard to uh, how our biology works. But on the outside, okay, my skin might be a little – have more melanin than yours. My nose might flare. Yours might be more narrow. Or I might have full lips and then you don't. Or your eyes might be slanty and mine might not be. I think mine – yeah, mine is kind of slanty, but it doesn't matter. Or the texture of hair based off the hair follicles and how your hair curls. Because even within the black community, there's different types of hair as well, regardless of whether you're mixed or not. You're talking about dominant genes and genes that aren't so dominant. So that whole interracial problem that people have, because some people still have um, a racist belief system or... Like I said, I think most of it nowadays is just preference. There might not be racist intent behind it, but who knows? I don't really know. But unless if you tell me. But with all these different types of marriages that are out there and ideas that stem from whether what your background is, where you're from, where your parents are from the origins of your family, the ceremonies, the culture that you live in. These are just basically our constructs of what it is. But the overarching and the truth of the matter today of what marriage is and how it is defined, I hope I answered your question. It's defined by God and God alone. It's between a man and a woman, and it's for the family, and it is a representation of Christ and His church. And that's basically what marriage is in a nutshell. However, it does change when it comes to culture and how we... It's not really changing. It's just how we express it within our cultures and how we do ceremonies and stuff. I'm going to get into a little bit of parts of my personal opinions of the matter when it comes to um, ceremonies and all that sort of stuff and what I think about it in the next segment. But to answer your question, it's defined by one person and one person only. His name is God. Yo, yo, yo. Hopefully you didn't go anywhere. We're back in the house and we're talking about the state of marriage and what I think is going to happen. And also... My thoughts. So we're going to start with my thoughts before I make any prediction. I don't even like making predictions, but, you know, it is what it is. I already said it, so I'm going to do it. So in regards to my personal opinion, I believe that marriage is a good thing. It always has been. It always will be. And I know that there's negative things that are out there regarding marriages. But at the end of the day, just because something... Or somebody use something that is good for evil. It doesn't make that thing evil. It just makes the person evil using it. So for me, obviously I'm going to get married one day. I don't know when, but hopefully I'm aiming within the next decade to get married. So that's what I'm aiming for. My understanding, because like I said, I grew up. In an apostolic church, so we have a certain custom to how marriage should be, and it's traditional, and I'm okay with that. It's just the whole concept of what people do reverberating about the ceremony, because we're so concerned about it being extravagant, or it being a Cinderella story. And that's not necessarily the case when it comes to that. They believe, oh, you have to pray for the one. I don't, not, I shouldn't say they, but people believe that the whole concept of, of the one. And I talked about that with Keisha when she was on the show uh, last year. The whole understanding of the one, there is no such thing. Okay. Stop <laughs> using that type of phrase. Because we really don't even know what that actually means. And it's just more or less a medical, metaphysical or an emotional way of expressing how we feel with a person. You don't know. Because it's really just time and chance, man. Like, What if you, one time you met a different girl that wasn't the girl that you're with right now? Was she the one the whole time? Maybe that other girl was the one. Or maybe it wasn't just meant to be with you guys. Maybe you guys don't click or maybe you guys do click. That's how I determine it. Because then essentially if it's the one, that means it's predetermined. Which means that your whole life would be pretty much written out. Which negates the whole thing called free will. So. The whole concept of the one for me is not a thing. So, for me, I'm okay with interracial marriage. I don't like interfaith marriage. I think it's stupid. It doesn't make any sense at all because it's just going to make it things difficult, especially if you're devout. Now, here's the thing. If you just claim that you are part of religion because you grew up in that religion, but you're not serious, then it's not really... I guess you can say that it is interfaith marriage, but you guys really don't believe it. You're just saying that you're a part of it. But if you take your religion seriously, the likelihood of you marrying outside of your religion doesn't make sense. So I already talked about that in the inner marriage episode. That was episode five. So that's way back, way back last year. But uh, yeah, that's my take on that. I believe. That is a good thing. Uh, when it comes to denomination, like I said before, it's up to you and your belief, what you're willing to do. Because at the end of the day, denomination, <laughs> the Christianity has too many denominations. I don't think that's necessarily the greatest thing. Because you have... Because Catholicism is not a part of Christianity, it's separate. And then you have Protestantism. Well, they claim to be a part of Christianity. So you have Christianity as the head, and then you have Catholicism, but I still think Catholicism is separate from Christianity. Then from there, uh, Christianity, you have Protestantism, which is basically of the Protestant Reformation that was led by Martin Luther. During the whole empire of the Catholic Church, so he was going against the grain. But I would say that um that there's so many different denominations that is hard because then you have the Calvinists, you have the Baptists, you have the Methodists, you have the Apostolics like myself. Then even without the Apostolics, you have Kojic Church of God in Christ. Then from there, you have Presbyterian. (laughs) You have all these different denominations, dude. And it's just oh, man. Because if you think about it, and I just look at social media and see people arguing on theology, and it's just like, bro, what's really the point? But there's also different denominations regarding in other religions, different different sects of uh, Islam. But for me, since I'm a Christian, it seems like there's so many more. Because then you even have the, the New Age movement, which is pretty dumb. <laughs> you Because it doesn't even seem like it's scripture, scripturally based. Um, and there's no conviction in that. And it just seems too f- free open to do anything you want to do, which basically negates a point of Christianity. But... That's a story for another day. Um, regarding my ideal of marriage, thinking about how marriage works and what the end goal is, for me, I'm not necessarily concerned, not necessarily concerned about what the ceremony looks like. I'm going to be honest with you guys because I usually am. I'm more of a, like, you can get married at Town Hall or something like that and then go to McDonald's after. I'm okay with that. I don't care about like the having it on the beach. I don't care about having it at a big cathedral or a church. I don't care, bro. I really don't. The only thing I care about is am I getting married to this girl and is she... Or does she feel the same way about me? Not to the exact same extent, but relatively similar towards me. And are we going to be in this for the long haul? Those are my concerns. Why would I want to spend $25,000 or more depending on the size of the wedding? For people that are invited, because it's mostly going to be the girl's side anyway, so I've been told. That, I may not really even talk to that much because they're just coming, right, (laughs) for that wedding. And then, I'm going to spend all this money for them for one day, and then I have to go scrap go scrap for money to spend for a house and whatnot. Why would I not just take the $25,000 and then invest it in property so that after the wedding, I have a place to sleep? How about that? I know that in certain cultures, I believe that it is in the Italian culture and other cultures of that sort, that what they tend to do is instead of giving them gifts and whatnot, Well, they're giving them financial gifts, but it has to be like minimum $500 because all the money and the proceeds are going towards setting up the couple to where they can get a place to live. So it's big. It's a big wedding, but there's a lot of money that goes into it where they can end up having a place to stay, which I would find is more reasonable. Because I'm not trying to spend that much money on one day, man. But as I said, at the end of the day, I I don't really care. Like, it's really up to her on what she wants to be done. I've said this millions of times. I'm not changing my mind on it. I don't really care, man. I don't. Because at the end of the day, there's people who've been spending over six figures on a wedding. And they're not even together anymore. And then there's people who spent like 10000 and they've been married for 60 plus years. You just have to be smart with it. And that whole concept comes from the Victorian era, like I mentioned, and the concept of the Greco-Roman myth of love and the whole Disney princess theology. It's not really theology. Or ideal. Where it's all about the extravagant weddings and whatnot. If you look at majority of the Disney princesses and you watch their movies, look how big their weddings are. You don't think that has an effect on the 20th century and the 24th century kids? It obviously does. And then they're going to want that when it's older and it's not bad. At least they want to get married and, and I think that's fine and dandy, but at the end of the day we got to get our priorities straight. we got to get it straight. That's, that's my take on it. Like, instead of worrying about what race she is, how about you worry about what she believes? That is my... Because... Oh, my gosh, man. 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 Okay. I just... Okay. Here's the thing. I just thought of something. It's funny, because even if growing up in a black church, or I don't even like saying that, but a predominantly black church, whatever. Like, I think... Sometimes because of our history in North America, if a guy from that church were to go get a white girl, he would get more looks from her being white because technically they don't fit the norm of that church. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think any correction because I'm not wrong here. Opposed to a girl Who's black, but might not really agree with the same ideas as he believes regarding like marriage or not regarding marriage, but like she might not be a Christian per se. Or she might be a different denomination. Like I'm said, I say it doesn't really matter because like denominations is really, if you look at it where it comes from is just one person leaves one denomination and then starts their own. But yeah, okay. We don't have enough time for that. But if we look at it, it seems to me that they would care more of, they care about more of the external, just what they can see. So if I gave you an ultimatum right now to make, and I always use this when it comes to argumentation, is that would you rather care that I marry a girl who so happens to be another race from me comparative to a girl who is not from the same faith of me or has the same faith as me, But, however, it's the same ethnic group as me. What do we care about the most? What is your reasoning towards that? And I did not give a straw man argument. It's just an ultimatum. And it's just... Because I don't really like using ignorance because a lot of time it just has a negative connotation. But it's basically appeal to ignorance. Man. Argumentum at ignoratum in Latin. That's basically what it is. They don't really have much proof of what they're saying. They're just making a claim and it hasn't been disproven yet. So they're just saying it. That's basically what it is. And I don't really agree with that. I think we should keep the main thing, the main thing, and focus on what the real problem is. And that's my view of marriage. Now, what do I think or where do I think marriage will go in the next... I don't even. I won't even give years, but I think people will obviously still get married. I just, I where I'm seeing it right now, I don't think people highlight it as much as because of the as much as we should to because of the culture that we're living in. It's mostly fast paced. People just want to date, chill out, hang out, all that stuff. And no, yeah, I'm gonna say nobody, but most people don't tend to be serious anymore, especially my Age bracket, but in the later demographics, that's when they became want to become more serious. But I don't think it's gonna completely die off, but I do believe that uh that it it will still last. There's gonna still be it, but it's gonna be smaller and smaller. So it's gonna be smaller and smaller, like people are gonna care less. Some people will care less about marriage than others because, like I said, it's going to be a career-focused thing. And some people could say that what I just said is a slippery slope fallacy, but you never know. I'm seeing it right now, and they probably said this beforehand. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode because I deeply enjoyed making it. This took a lot of effort, but hopefully you guys learned something new. And if you like this episode, make sure you you give it a five-star review on Apple iTunes because it helps do well with the rating of the show. Also, you can send this to your family and your friends on whatever social media platform you so choose to use. And trust me, man, I, I appreciate all your guys' support. I really do. And if you have any feedback, just hit me up, underscore DD, this kid 15 on Instagram and chat it up if you want to talk about what we've discussed today. And hopefully you guys enjoy the rest of your week or whenever you're listening to this, your day, whatever. Just enjoy yourself. Uh, get ready for the holidays coming up, whether you celebrate Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, or Christmas. Your boy DD celebrates Christmas. So hopefully you guys enjoy your festivities. I will hopefully be back next week. Okay, I had to miss a couple weeks ago because last week I was a bit ill. And then the week before that, I had a lot of stuff to do regarding school. So, yeah, man, help your boy out. (laughs) Send some prayers, man, because, yo, school is real. (laughs) It's real. So, with that said, stay suave. This is your boy, Darius D, signing off once again. So, just chill. Just chill till the next episode.